0: Baptist Church. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe passage, pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes love does not envy the word
1: of the Lord um, if you're visiting with us this morning welcome glad you're here I hope that you've um, been encouraged by these first few minutes of our service we are in this series called true love where we are looking at how God defines love through the Apostle Paul in first Corinthians 13 verses four to seven and this morning, we are talking about envy, because after Paul says that love is patient and love is kind, he says love does not envy, and envy, I think, is something that all of us wrestle with from time to time. Yes? Yes. yes. Um, how many of you know the Christian Science Church over here on um, Park and 63rd? You know the building I'm talking about, a few of you? It's an interesting building. And um, a number of years ago, I can't remember exactly how many, but five or six uh, or so years ago, they they renovated the sanctuary into a um, an elegant ven- um, social venue or, or event venue. And every now and then, I'll go I'll pass it in the evening and the doors will be open and you can look in and the chandeliers are in there and 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 I'll see people inside in the, you know guys in their tuxedos and and women in their designer dresses and waiters are you know scurrying around with their trays of hors d'oeuvres and 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 you know there's all of these beautiful well put together people are just hobnobbing with their champagne glasses And I'm on my way to, like, burger heaven. (laughs) And this thought creeps into my mind. And the thought is, I want that life. I want that life. And then, as I'm thinking that, a little more um, sinister thought creeps in. And that is the thought of, how come they get that life? And that's envy. You see, envy is rooted in these two questions. Why not me? How come they? Why not me? How come they? There's always this... uh, a piece of desire there's always desire that's involved in envy and and that isn't necessarily wrong but when it when it crosses the line from the why not me into the how come they that's where it gets dangerous that's where it gets toxic because it it begins to to usher in a little bit of resentment where we begin to, to have some resentment that these people have the life that I want. That's what makes it envy. If we look closely at our, at our own hearts, I can imagine that you, like me, can find some sort of envy at work. Maybe for you it happens when you see great wealth. Maybe for you, it happens when you see great beauty. Maybe if you're single, it happens when you see couples in relationship. Or maybe if you're childless, it happens for you when you see uh, families. Maybe it happens when you see talent. Why not me? How come they? We all do this. We all, we all think this way at times. And, and the truth is that it's easy for those kinds of thoughts and feelings to go unnoticed. And, and because they're, well, not because they're insignificant, but because they're so prevalent. They, they just fire through our minds all the time, but it doesn't mean that they are any less dangerous how many of you have heard the term green with envy? Just yesterday, I was on the elevator talking with this woman, and she used the phrase that she was green with envy. Well, that, that can actually be traced back to the, to the ancient Greeks who believed that, that envy uh, caused the body to create, uh, to overproduce bile in our system that would turn the skin kind of a yellowish-green color. And so, thus, the term "green with envy." Now, maybe their biochemistry was off a little bit, but but their thinking was right on. Uh, they understood that envy is this toxin that can rob you of peace and joy and keep you from being able to truly love others. I love how Proverbs 14.30 says, puts it. It says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Many of us, in many ways, and we may not even be fully aware of it, are literally rotting away because of envy. You might be thinking, well, well, Keith, is envy really such a big deal? Well, actually, it is. It is like a hot coal that if you don't put it out, it will become an all-consuming fire. When I was 13, our house burned to the ground. And um, everybody got out okay. I'm still here. No burns on me. Um, but what happened was my mom was smoking a turkey in a smoker out on our back deck and when she was finished with the turkey she took it off and she she closed all the vents down on the on the smoker so that the the coals would just naturally die out. Well a big gust of wind blew in that night blew the smoker over onto the deck the coals were still hot enough that the wind just Um, Blew as it blew over, they got hot enough to catch the deck on fire. And before long, the whole back of the house was engulfed. We all got out fine, but our whole house and everything in it was consumed. That's what envy does. It's this just ember that's just kind of smoldering there. And if we don't put it out, it will consume our relationships. It will consume our lives. I want us to, um, I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles or your, your devices, you can find Genesis chapter 4. And let me just set the, set the stage for this. This is right after Adam and Eve have sinned in the Garden of Eden. Um, They disobeyed God because they wanted to be like God and thus God put them out of the Garden of Eden. And so this is outside of the Garden of Eden after the first sin. And what we we find in Genesis chapter 4 is uh, you've got these two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain appears to be sort of a prototypical first child, he's hard-working, he's fair-minded, pretty type A, maybe got some anger management issues. Um, then you've got Abel, who is a middle child. He is attentive, he's flexible, he's the peacemaker of the family. Cain is a farmer, Abel is a shepherd. It says in verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor we don't know what that really means That the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But but most likely it meant that Abel's life was blessed in some tangible or, or visible or maybe even material way. Maybe God protected his flocks from predators. Maybe fewer sheep wandered off that year. We don't really know. What we do know is that Abel's life was blessed in some way that Cain's life was not. The question or the tension that many of us feel when we when we see this is why? I mean, at one glance, it seems sort of unfair, right? Why would God look with favor on this offering and, and not on that one? Well, there have been a lot of suggestions, some people have suggested that that Cain didn't bring the best of his crops or he didn't bring enough of his crops or, or some have said that he didn't do it the way God had apparently instructed them to do it. What we know from the Old Testament law is that both grain offerings and animal offerings were acceptable sacrifices. So we're not exactly sure what's going in, what's going on here. But what we see in this story is actually something that we see each and every day in our own lives. In fact, it's so obvious that we can miss it. What we see in this story is the truth, the fact that God does not bless or gift everyone equally or in the same way. Right? God does not bless or gift everyone equally or in the same way. We know that for a fact. God loves to bless. He loves to bless. But, but what we see not only in our own lives, but also in this story, is that God doesn't always bless in the same way or at the same time. Which means that there's a question worth asking here how should Cain have responded? How should Cain have responded to the blessing in his brother's life? We know how he did respond, right? Verse 8 tells us he killed his brother. But how should he have responded? Think about it. Shouldn't Cain have seen the blessing in his brother's life and said, dude, I'm so pumped for you. It's awesome that God is is showing such favor in your life right now. I'm so thrilled for you. Wouldn't that have been the right response? Shouldn't that have been the response? Isn't that the response that true love has? We see blessing in somebody else's life and we say, Man, I am so excited about what God is doing, about how God has has blessed your life. But he didn't respond that way. At the end of verse 5, it says, So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? In other words, why are you sad? Why aren't you happy for your brother? But Cain simply couldn't handle the thought of what was going on in Abel's life compared to his own. He felt angry, as if some great injustice had been done. Why do they get to be at an event with champagne glasses and and I got to go to Burger Heaven? Why not me? How come they? This was the first sin after Adam and Eve. So the first sin after the first sin was not murder and it was not deceit and it was not anger. The first sin after the first sin was envy. It was a hot coal that turned into an all-consuming flame. We see the same thing going on with Joseph's brothers, right? Joseph's brothers, they begin um, just kind of teasing and taunting. But after a while, that coal became a flame And soon it was easier to dump Joseph into a pit than see him at the dinner table. Why not me? How come they? We see the same thing going on in the New Testament with the Pharisees. Um, These guys weren't evil men. They they weren't thugs. They they were the pastors and teachers of their day. They were the, the, the PTA people and the little league coaches. These were good people. But in Matthew 27, it tells us that they handed Jesus over out of envy. They couldn't handle it. Why not me? How come they? You may find this interesting. One of the Greek words for envy in the New Testament is the word um, ophthalmos. From where we get our word ophthalmology. And in the New Testament, that word ophthalmos can be translated either as I or as envy. Why? Because envy is all about seeing. It's about seeing something that I don't have that I want and I start and cross that line from desire to envy where why not me? How come they? We fall victim to this all the time. I see someone get promoted at work and I think... If only I were promoted, then my life would be better. I, I want that life. Or we see somebody, you know, maybe on a magazine cover that, that looks really good and, and we think, well, you know, I, I wish I looked like that. And if I looked like that, then I could be on that cover and I could have that life. Or we see someone who has nicer things or or who is successful, more successful than we are. And we think, gosh, if only I had those things or if only I had that success, then my life would be better. I want that life. But friends, that that is the most fundamental idolatry. Because God has given us a life. He's given us our life. And he, when he's given us our life, rather than just accept that life, we say, no, 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 I want that one. That's envy. The writer of Psalm 73 was struggling with these very things when he wrote these words. This is 73, verses 3 to 5. He says, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued with human ills. You can, you can hear in his language him saying, I want their life. I, I know that I shouldn't want it, but I want their life. Whether it's because they're more popular or more beautiful or more successful, I want their life, not mine. So my question to you this morning, my question to me this morning is, whose life do you want? Which person in your community or in your um, workplace or in your sphere of influence do you say, Do you see and you say, I'm driven by that. I want that. I want that person's life. Cain saw the blessing that Abel received and he couldn't rejoice for his brother. He couldn't be satisfied. He wanted Abel's life. He said, why not me? How come they? You want to know where this starts to creep in with me? I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes when this happens for me is when I see a church in town that's really rocking it, that's really growing and their, ha- their impact is, is spreading. And they're, they're doing great stuff for the kingdom. And sometimes I say, why not me? How come they? Why isn't God blessing our ministry? Why is he blessing theirs? Why, why aren't we growing? Why aren't we having the same kind of impact I want that life. But God is usually pretty quick to, <laughs> to slap me and say, remind me that this is his church, not mine. This is his ministry, not mine. This is my life. It's, it's really his life. It's not mine. And I need to be grateful for what he's doing here and in me and through me and and in us and through us. And I need to trust that he's in control. And see, the, the cure, if you will, for envy really is trust, if you think about it. The... The psalm that Betty read for us a few moments ago, Psalm 34, says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of, the, of your heart. What the psalmist is saying is that the antidote to envy is trust and gratitude, right? Trust in the Lord and enjoy what he's given you. Trust in the Lord and be grateful. Cain couldn't trust in the Lord to be just, and he wasn't grateful for what he had. The sons of Jacob didn't trust in God to meet their needs, and they weren't grateful for the provision he had given them. The Pharisees didn't trust God to bring Messiah and they weren't grateful when he did. And I sometimes don't trust God to expand his kingdom according to his plan and I'm not as grateful as I should be for the opportunities that he gives me as part of this congregation. Now you might be thinking, Keith, I hear you, but I just don't see how my envy is going to hurt anybody. I mean, it's really, I mean, how is it going to hurt? It's just a thought. It's, it's inside of me. How is it going to really impact somebody else? The fact is we can so easily hide our envy, but envy almost always finds its way into our actions. Envy is the thing that drives us when we gossip about others. Envy is part of what drives how you critique or judge other people. Envy is part of why you secretly hope people around you, classma- classmates or coworkers, do worse than you. Those actions are being driven by envy because, you see, envy is not about, it's not just about you being happy, it's about you being happier than other people. I love how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, he wrote, We say people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. This is why envy is so toxic in our relationships. It's why it's, it's so destructive to human community. It's why Paul says, Love does not envy. You see this, you see envy in, through the stories of the Scriptures. Cain envied Abel, Isaac envied Esau's inheritance, so he stole it. Rachel envied Leah's children, so she had her husband Joseph sleep with her, her maidservant. Joseph's brothers envied Joseph's place in, in their father's heart, so they threw him in a pit and then sold him as a slave. And that's just in the first book. Envy is throughout the Scriptures. And while we think it's just kind of harmless, it's actually one of the most destructive forces in human relationships. You see, what begins as a simple desire for something quickly becomes resentment against someone. In a subtle and destructive way, we begin to see other people as a threat to our happiness. They become a threat to our joy. That coworker that gets the promotion and not you, who's the threat? It's the coworker. They're the reason you didn't get it, or so you think. That other person that that gets blessed in some way that, that you didn't they're the reason that you didn't get blessed, or so you think. That's what happened with Cain. Somehow, his view of blessing, he couldn't be happy for his brother, and somehow he saw his brother as the reason why he didn't get blessed. And so, what did he do? He killed his brother because his brother was the threat. Why not me? How come they? Envy. The Just as it did Cain, envy can lead us to this state of joyless discontent. Why not me? How come they? It is a fire that consumes our soul. Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 20. about this landowner who hires a group of workers, um, probably many of you familiar with this parable, he hires a group of workers to work in the field and they agree to work for a certain wage. And then later in the day, the farmer hires some more workers. And at the end of the day, he pays all of the workers the same amount, And so the first workers come, and and they're furious, and they say uh, to the master, this isn't right, this isn't fair, how dare you do this? To which the landowner replies, verse 13, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? And then he asked this question Or are you envious because I am generous? Or are you envious because I am generous? Isn't that actually what's driving our souls mad? Are you envious because God is generous? And it it just doesn't happen to be generosity toward you as you define generosity in that moment? Isn't that the thing? He's being generous to that person in the way that I want. And that's not fair. Why not me? How come they? As I said earlier, the Scriptures tell us that it was out of envy that the Pharisees handed Jesus over to be crucified. But the irony in that is that it was in that same moment of despicable envy that God showed the magnificence of his love. You see, on the cross, as Jesus is going, enduring excruciating pain, he does not look out on on the crowd and say, I want that life. I want that life. Rather, Jesus, as he's hanging there, says, No, I give you mine. In an incredible act of generosity, Jesus, rather than envying the life of others he blesses those who are actually crucifying him you see the answer to our envy is not some tactic but it is really at the end of the day it is jesus it's jesus as I said at the beginning of this series, the way that we give love is that we live loved. Is that we, is that we experience the true love that Jesus has for us. And as we live in his love for us, then envy goes away. Because we recognize that, that God is a God who loves to bless and there is no greater blessing than the blessing that that he bestowed upon us in giving his life laying down his life on the cross you know jesus is the only one for whom envy does not exist and it's not because he's all knowing or all powerful or has all the stuff jesus doesn't experience envy because he is all loving and you cannot truly love and envy at the same time. In a moment, we're going to come to the table. And we're going to celebrate the true love that God had, has for us as demonstrated in the cross or Jesus showed himself to be unconditionally committed to your life. And he showed himself willing to give everything he had so that you could be blessed. So that I could be blessed. Which if you think about it is the exact opposite of envy. The capacity to bless. The capacity to, to, to pour your life out in love for someone else. Friends, that is the antidote to envy. The antidote to envy is to to trust in God and to, to be grateful for what he's giving you, for what he has given you. So the next time you feel envy creeping in, that why not me, how come they... The next time that starts creeping in, just pause and and begin to recount the blessings of God in your life. Just start recounting what God has blessed you with. And then offer up prayers of gratitude. Because when you do that, envy will dissipate. Because you will recognize that you can trust God with your life. You can trust him to be generous with you because he has been generous with you. And no more generous than giving his very life so that you might have life. And when you do that, when you live a life of trust and gratitude, rather than a life driven by envy, it will move you to a place where you have the capacity to bless others just as Jesus did. And that is true love. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you that you didn't go for plan B. That even though in the garden you, you asked the Father, is there some other way, when he said no, you stepped forward and you went to that cross on our behalf. And you showed us the full extent of your love. Lord, I pray that you would convict me in those moments when I am envious and I let my desire to become a little bit of resentment. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to be a person of trust and gratitude. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a community of faith be a people of trust and gratitude. Because when we can live in that place then we have the ability to bless others. Enable us, Lord, to to put out, to quench that hot coal of envy and not allow it to become a flame that consumes us. For your name's sake, amen.